Welcome to Law School Podcaster, your source for inside information and advice on the law school application process. I'm Diana Jordan. The LSAT is a really hard test, even for native English speakers. Can you imagine taking it in a foreign language? Plenty of people do just that. Students who learn English as a second language are known as ESL students, and they face a unique set of challenges, confronting dense reading passages with subtle nuances in language and time limits that can really hinder performance. Still, you can achieve an excellent score on the LSAT, even if English isn't your first language, and we asked our experts for help on how. In this show, you will hear from a German student, Malena Yurka, who successfully raised her LSAT score. Malena has an unusual perspective about taking the LSAT as an English as a Second Language student, or ESL. You can actually have a lot of fun with the LSAT. Noah Teitelbaum, who heads up academics for Manhattan Prep, has advice that might mess up your plans. For a lot of ESL students, my advice would be to not study the LSAT right now. But Teitelbaum gives you the way to solve that as well. We'll also hear from professional LSAT tutor Steve Schwartz, who has a provocative take on how to score over 170. Learning to love the LSAT. You can't really master it until you actually enjoy it. This is Law School Podcaster. Stay tuned to the rest of our show after a word from our sponsor. JD Mission is a professional law school admissions consulting firm. We specialize in helping applicants identify and showcase the strongest aspects of their candidacy. Our dedicated consultants, who are law school graduates themselves as well as published authors, are committed to helping you create an application that will dazzle the admissions committee at your dream law school. Whether you are a JD candidate or an LLM candidate, a first-time applicant or a transfer student, we will not stop until you are completely satisfied with your application. Your legal career begins with JD Mission. We will give you the competitive edge you need to secure a place at the law school of your choice. For more information and to sign up for a free 30-minute consultation, visit www.jdmission.com. If English is your second language and you plan to take the LSAT, you face some special challenges, as our ESL student, Malena Yurka, discovered. You just think in a different language and now you have to take the standardized test in English. And it is a challenge because you don't know all the vocabulary, you don't know all the words, you don't know maybe every grammatical little detail or structure or how meaning changes. And that plays a very important role in, in the LSAT. So... Um, it doesn't come naturally, so um, non-native speakers um, of English have to put a little bit of extra effort in to, to overcome that obstacle. The LSAT is particularly challenging for students for whom English is a second language, agrees Steve Schwartz, who writes the LSAT blog. Certainly, being an ESL student presents a major obstacle for taking the LSAT, given that the LSAT uses advanced vocabulary. They sometimes use secondary or tertiary meanings of words. So if one doesn't have that background, it can be kind of difficult to understand the precise terms used throughout the exam. For many, the logic game section itself is like a second language. For ESL students, Yurka says it is even more so. The first thing that I looked at and I didn't understand were the logic games, but they actually seem to be the easiest part. You make the most progress, the fast um, progress on the logic games. Because you, once you, you get to think in that kind of system and you understand what they want, it's, it's very simplified. They can only ask you that many 
different things to perform that many different tasks. And um, once you get that system down, basically, um, it's, it's fairly easy uh, to make progress. Um, on the other hand, the, um, the reading on both the logical reasoning and the reading comprehension parts, um, they're, they function similar, but the, let's say the game is much larger. You have all these words, all the different vocabularies, and um, the grammatical structures, and it's, you just have to do so many more things, and it just takes longer to understand the system to get into everything. And she says that ESL students lose points because it takes them longer to get through the test, translating and interpreting, versus the skimming native speakers often do. Teitelbaum has the good news and bad news for ESL students. The good news is that uh, logic games uh, is generally an easier section for ESL students. There's not a lot of complex text. Um, it's a lot of, sort of almost mathematical inferences, so um, a little bit more like ordering and grouping than, than math generally. Uh, so that's generally their strong suit, uh, though you know, reading for detail is very important in logic games too. The worst would definitely be logical reasoning and reading comp. So I'll, now I'll switch to the hardest, and I think that would be reading comp. Uh, there's a, a big wall of text. Uh, there can be a lot of, uh, or some vocabulary that uh, in, uh, non-native speakers won't be familiar with. And probably most importantly, it's not really possible to apply some formula to reading comp. If you're an ESL student, there's one section that can really present a challenge, Schwartz says. They probably run into the most trouble on the reading comprehension section because they're faced with hundreds of words of really daunting text, you know, text that's difficult even for native speakers. So if it's difficult for native speakers, of course, it will be far more difficult for an ESL student. So you have a massive, dense text that needs to be interpreted in a very short amount of time. And, you know, it's as much time as is allowed for one logic game, but a logic game is more abstract, so vocabulary and language aren't as much of an issue there. Focus on reading at first, not studying, says Teitelbaum. Even if you come out of college having done well, you may not be prepared for the rigors of law school or the LSAT. It demands a clarity of reading that is often not tested in college. So for many of you, my advice, unfortunately, is to go and study English at a higher level than you've been studying before. Uh, that would be maybe auditing some philosophy classes or political science and participating and, and writing and uh, really digging into your ability to think in English and, and read in English. So that would be my advice for a bunch of people. Um, then I sort of uh, reiterating that for people who are pretty fluent, try to separate your language studies from your LSAT studies. Uh, you really, when you're studying the LSAT, you want to use that time for learning this test, cleaning up your thinking, that sort of thing. If you still are having little issues with the language, at the same time, you should be working on your language skills. Preparation is key, and ESL students will have to spend more months studying than do other candidates. Schwartz explains that's to gain use and recognition of extra vocabulary, so the lack of understanding doesn't slow them down when they take timed exams. There are several things an ESL student can do. One of them would just be to read challenging material aside from the LSAT itself. Even though it might not be fun, it really is important just to lay the groundwork 
you know, they need, as they're reading, they need to look up words that they might not know, which everyone says, always says to do, but very few people actually do it. You need to have a dictionary near you, you need to have the internet near you so that you can refer to the words as necessary, or maybe just keep a running list and look them up later. Advice for ESL students, Teitelbaum says do a lot of dense and difficult reading in English and study with others. Choose to study with other people. I think ideally a teacher who knows how to listen and, and probe and, and push, uh, but with anyone really, so that you're discussing this test. You want to talk about it because uh, just as reading and thinking are interconnected, talking, reading, and thinking are also interconnected. So uh, if you have to discuss the complexities of questions in English, you're going to improve your ability to think in English. Uh, and read in English. And that's why in our classes we are asking students all the time to explain their ideas and so that they're cleaning up their thinking through discussion. Um, the other thing I would suggest is to not read in your native language while you're studying for the LSAT if possible. Uh, you should really immerse yourself in English um, and also you know in your bathroom or by your bed wherever your books and magazines are. I would throw in some more complex texts, uh, academic journals, Smithsonian, um, Foreign Affairs as uh, a journal on international politics, um, you know, get some things on, on science, Scientific American, things like that, so that you're really <laughs> shoving your brain uh, to understand complex English texts. ESL students should pay special attention to the different phrases that the test takers use to refer to the same concepts or the same question types because these may be presented in a variety of ways. They will use different phrases to refer to the exact same concepts. So you have in, in your own head, you have an idea of what they're asking you for with regard to a particular question type, but then if they refer to it in an unfamiliar way, you might be thrown off and not know how to approach the question. So ahead of time, test takers need to make a list of those different questions that the questions they ask either for reading comprehension or logical reasoning and then know what they're actually asking you to do so that you can then spend your time focusing on the source material, either the reading comprehension passage or the logical reasoning stimulus and then getting to the logic of that question itself. So you can spend less time figuring out what they want you to do and more time actually doing it. Native speakers should take at least three months to study for the LSAT, recommends Schwartz. For ESL students, even more. And Teitelbaum agrees. He adds that your goal is to read what's there versus what you think is there. For reading comp, we have a process we call PAIR, which is that after every paragraph you pause, you evaluate what you've just read, think you know, what was really important there, and then you anticipate what's coming next. And then the R is for the, after the next paragraph, you reassess. You go, well, was my prediction right? And this is a very sort of awkward formal process for reading. But a lot of people don't actively read. They read as if they're reading Twilight or, you know, some novel where you just are sort of absorbing the plot and, uh, it, you know, leisurely reading. And here you want to be wrestling with the text as you're reading it. And the pitfall for really everyone, uh, Native or, or ESL, is that they, they start reading and they say, oh, I think I know where this is going, and then they make the rest of the text fit into that. 
they have some sort of category in their mind and they, they throw it into that. And so that's a very dangerous thing to do because the LSAT asks such specific questions. So we have a lot of other techniques for improving active reading, but this, this is a, a big focus uh, that ESL students should have particularly. For logical reasoning, it's cutting out all of the clutter of argument. There's almost always a very uh, essential or simple argument in the center of, uh, of, of, this argue, of this whole passage, and you want to get down to it. What's the conclusion? What's the point, and why are they saying that? And then once you've gone to that, you can start actually thinking about it. So learning to cut through the clutter, getting to what we call the core, uh, is an essential skill. If you find yourself regularly looking up words, then you're not ready for LSAT prep, just for language prep. And Teitelbaum says you can begin with GMAT and GRE tests. GMAT and GRE passages are generally slightly easier. It would be great for ESL students to use as their initial introduction to, to pretty complex standardized test reading comp passages. So I would use a lot of those, get used to those questions, and then switch over to LSAT uh, to take it to the next level. LSAT test takers who score over 170, Teitelbaum says, know the script. In terms of what sets the top test takers apart, I'd say it's an understanding of what the LSAT's doing to you, uh, what, what, what the questions are asking of you, where the passages uh, are possibly or probably going. Uh, but at the same time, these test takers are keeping a strong eye on when the script goes off script. Uh, so to speak, when some twist happens and they're ready to adapt. So I think flexibility is, is really key, but flexibility based on a deep understanding um, of logic and of the test. ESL students can close the gap by approaching the LSAT playfully and studiously, says Yurka. Practice and, and challenge yourself. Um, take, uh, yeah, take full-length tests as much as you can. Um, and also, um, yeah, just kind of stay in an LSAT mindset. I, um, you, can, uh, you can actually have a lot of fun with the LSAT. Um, you can uh, read a newspaper article and um, approach it with a mindset of what does the author want and all these questions that always come up in the reading comprehension section. Or you can, have, um, you can actually have lots of fun analyzing TV commercials for like implicit unstated premises or flawed argumentation and stuff like that. It is a challenge, but, but you can make it fun, and um, you do learn to think um, studying for that test, and you do learn to read, so that's a skill that's always good to have, and yeah, just embrace that. Don't, don't see the test as a chore or obstacle that you just have to take. She says confidence in your skills and having a proactive attitude differentiate a 170-plus test taker. Her top tips for practicing, change it up and take the position of the test makers. Read a lot. Acknowledge your specific challenges. Don't take the test before you're ready. And maybe take a break between LSATs. Teitelbaum's tips for ESL students begin with taking a diagnostic test and focusing on the language over the LSAT. I would uh, encourage people to talk about the LSAT uh, with other studiers. Discuss questions, uh, get used to verbalizing uh, these complex ideas. Similarly, talk to yourself when you're reading. So it's this sort of self-talk where you're digesting what you're reading uh, and commenting on it. I would do a lot of this, and so maybe go study somewhere where you won't feel embarrassed about this, but I think this can really help. 
uh, and maybe read quietly out loud to yourself. Some people learn better if they hear it. Then you have to uh, train yourself to read out loud silently, if that makes any sense, where you're sort of imagining yourself doing. Uh, and the last one would be avoid your native language while you're studying for the LSAT. Immerse yourself in English. To obliterate test day anxiety, Schwartz says, become familiar with your situation. They're going to want to you know, visit their test center beforehand, become familiar with the layout of it, develop, you know, devote enough time to properly studying for the LSAT over the course of that you know, minimum three months that I was talking about. They're going to want to plan out everything the week before, the night before, feeling adequately prepared as possible. It is essential to then focusing on the material of the exam itself. So someone who is an ESL test taker and has the added stress of taking a very difficult exam that's not even in their native language, they're going to want to take care of all those other things that go into making this a stressful experience so they they can just focus on tackling that tough passage itself and letting all the distractions just kind of melt into the background. Yurka suggests getting a good sleep the night before the test day. Another thing that I noticed uh, taking the test is a lot of people don't use the, the, the break wisely. Um, I've seen a lot of people just like sitting on the floor and, and chatting, like friends, like sharing their, their feeling or their experience about the test that, or the half test that they just took. Um, that's nice, but I believe the break can be used more effectively to like recharge your batteries to make sure you get enough nutrients in your brain. Um, to to eat basically and drink and um, some like there's some power foods that worked for me like nut bars are, are good because they they nourish your brain they give you some protein and some fats um, some fatty acids um, also if you're if you like to do that it's um, chocolate gives you like some sugar high and yeah get, get good chocolate get like like 90% coca chocolate makes you focus. And Teitelbaum says on the day of the LSAT, warm up with a game or passage you've already done. Set your goal to match the score of your practice test so you'll take more risks. And he has some more advice for test day anxiety. Don't have your cell phone on. Uh, make your timing. Be very strict with it. There's only a 10-minute break between sections three and four. Uh, and I would also maybe add in a sixth section every once in a while just to really push your brain to be able to... Uh, last through the whole test. And in terms of concentration, I'd also recommend, and here again I'm, I'm going to tell people to go talk to themselves, is to talk to yourself during the test. And that would be silently, though, of course, because you don't want to interrupt other people. But uh, it's easy to start sort of hyper-mentalizing, like, oh, my God, I've, I've, you know, I've been thinking, and now I'm here, and I'm still thinking, and I'm not doing this test, and will I go to law school, and what will I, maybe I should go to medical school. Oh, my God, but my dad, he's a doctor. You don't want to get into those. Instead, ask yourself questions about the test. So you see yourself uh, going off topic. All right, wait, what's the conclusion of this argument? Or, okay, what was that last paragraph about? Ask yourself a question about what you're doing and answer it and bring yourself back into the test. A dose of reality for after test day from Schwartz. He says a score is a score, no matter who takes the LSAT. A 170 from an ESL test taker means a lot more than a 170 from a native speaker. But at the same time, unfortunately, due to the influence of things like the U.S. news rankings, scores are scores at the end of this. And it's not like this is an exam that was administered under special conditions where there's going to be an asterisk next to that test taker's score.
Here's some key advice on the test for ESL students from Yurka, who's been there already. Good luck. Uh, fall in love with the test. Um, give yourself time and, yeah, um, yeah, take the test when you're ready. Take it once and take it when you're ready. Read, read, read. Our guests say that reading dense magazines and scientific books will familiarize you with the tough, tight writing you will see on the LSAT and will close the gap between you and native English-speaking law school applicants. Remember to start your LSAT prep a few months before your non-ESL colleagues. It will probably begin three months before test day. And as several of our guests suggest, you might just need to fall a little in love with the LSAT, or at least appreciate it. JD Mission is a professional law school admissions consulting firm. We specialize in helping applicants identify and showcase the strongest aspects of their candidacy. Our dedicated consultants, who are law school graduates themselves as well as published authors, are committed to helping you create an application that will dazzle the admissions committee at your dream law school. Whether you are a JD candidate or an LLM candidate, a first-time applicant or a transfer student, we will not stop until you are completely satisfied with your application. Your legal career begins with JD Mission. We will give you the competitive edge you need to secure a place at the law school of your choice. For more information and to sign up for a free 30-minute consultation, visit www.jdmission.com. For more information, a transcript of this show, or to sign up to receive more Law School Podcasts, visit www.lawschoolpodcaster.com. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest news and insight into the world of law school. I'm Diana Jordan with Law School Podcaster. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more shows as we explore another topic of interest to help you succeed in the law school application process and beyond.